Everyone, welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, Reverend Doctor Death. Joining me, as always, my co-host La Urena and Noah's uh, joining us for this episode. And this is the wow. second half of the Zombie Christmas Special. Uh, we are discussing Anna and the Apocalypse from 2017. Tagline: She'll slash, she'll stab, she'll sing, and she'll survive. <laughs> directed by john mcphail uh written by alan mcdonald and ryan McHenry. a little sad note about him he passed away actually before the movie ever uh, oh. became a thing wow. um we'll get into that a little bit in trivia uh music by roddy hart and tommy riley and uh they definitely need credit for that because they do an amazing job in this movie yeah uh <clears throat> budget of 9.5 million uh, it only made six hundred seventy-three thousand five hundred twenty-three U.S. dollars. So, oh, what? Yeah, but I know why though. It was such a limited release. <laughs> it was. Remember, I told was, you, like yeah. when I wanted when I wanted to see it, I was telling Raina about because it, it was this weird, goofy time at this certain theater. Raina's like, ugh, and we went and seen it, and I liked it. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna limit release it. And I don't know if that's that's them or if that's the theaters that were like, eh. You know what the problem with Rain on this movie is? It's a musical. Oh, yeah. He knows I don't like musicals. <laughs> oh, I don't like musicals. Oh, my fucking God. They're singing this. This is retarded. I don't Listen. like musicals, and I don't <clears throat> like zombies. Musicals, if they're done right, can actually be pretty good. I mean, they're a different type of genre that you got to get used to, like you, how they operate. Okay, but Do you not like White Christmas with Bing Crosby? Never seen it. We've played it multiple times. And how many times have I watched it? That's a. I love that movie, dude. I'm not here. Uh, White Christmas is really good. I love uh, Holiday Inn, which is the where the original the song originally appeared at with the song White Christmas. Oh really? Uh, It's yeah. It's it's got some blackface, so be aware. It was (laughs) a different time, folks. But it's like it it basically take eat heat. It's uh, the name Holiday Inn. Uh, uh, Bing Crosby sets up like this inn in like uh, New England. And he every holiday he has like a big song and dance show, and he, like he themes the song and dance to the holiday. So, uh, and when they of course get to Christmas, White Christmas is the song that they do, which is the one that became super popular. But all the rest of them actually sound pretty good too in the movie. As previously, um, dis- it, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and it's kind of a, a love triangle story. Him and Fred Astaire uh, uh, end up falling for the same girl. Um, actually, they do that twice. Fred Astaire wins the first time. The second time, uh, he's trying to steal the girl from Bing Crosby, and you know, and it's them fighting amongst each other for the girl throughout the movie. Is how it kind of goes. Crosby uh, hoeing, so. really? Tis the season. <laughs> ho ho ho. Um, look at friendly reminder that we reviewed Nightmare Before Christmas, and that's I I love that movie, but I do not like the musical parts. 
They're the best parts of that movie. What are you talking okay, about? Okay, she's a liar. You know I can prove this? <laughs> you want me to prove this? Is guess what songs are on her Halloween mix and Christmas mix? Yeah, that's out of sight of the movie. In Nightmare Before Christmas songs that were in the movie. Done by My so Chemical Romance love, and Marilyn Manson. So if you love listening to just a movie or just the music when you're driving, you're going to tell me you're not going to love listening to music when the movie's going? Okay, wait. I'm but just, are they songs from the movie or are they redone by rock artists? The songs in the movie. No, it's the ones redone by the artists. Okay, then I'll fucking play the rock part over that scene to make it really Yeah, <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> I'm serious. If you love listening to the music outside the movie and all of a sudden you hate the music when it's in the movie. It's I like, just, yeah, I don't. I'm just like, do we need this right now? Can we just continue with the storyline? The only musical I do like. It's a movie. It's supposed to be theatrical. Music and and dance, make it theatrical. The only musical I really, really like is Chicago. Like, I will get down with Chicago. Inconsistency is a typical woman. Yep. <laughs> I I would argue that Nightmare Before Christmas, given its history, actually, uh, I don't know why you would like that movie if you didn't like the musical parts, because they literally writ- had to rewrite the whole yeah. entire movie around the, 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 music the music, because that was the only part that actually got completed, because the guy who was supposed to write the movie... Took all the money, uh, holed up inside of a motel, snorted a bunch of coke, and then fucked off and didn't do anything else. Oh, yeah. Which worked out, apparently. No, it did Well, that was because one person, yes. It worked out. That's it, so funny. You ever realize how many movies were on the verge of just being complete shits, and then management fucking gets up, upturned, and it changes the, or something happens where it changes the entire movie? It makes it way better than it originally would have been. So who, okay, wait, going back to Nightmare for Christmas, it was going to be written by somebody else, but then eventually Tim Burton just came in and finished the script? I don't even think it was Tim Burton. It was literally they, uh, Danny Elfman had completed all of his songs, mm-hmm. and they and they looked at it, and they said, okay, they, they had some other writers come in, and they said, we've got to write oh, interstitial yeah. things to connect the songs because so the movie is literally written around the songs uh, written around the songs well the basic story was already out tim had already written the story like a, a child's book if you will version of that movie he already had that out so they had a little bit of a story and like okay now let's walk this around these motherfucking songs see she loves song- she likes musicals <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, principal players for Anna and the Apocalypse is uh, Ellen Hunt, who plays Anna Shepard, who's our main protagonist. Uh, she was, uh, these are all British or, you know, UK actors. So it was like Dickinson, Lady Chatterley's uh, lover, that sort of thing. She's not been, none of these actors or actresses have been in a ton of stuff. Uh, yeah. This is well, they were little known like- at the time, too. Like they weren't even big in their own country. No, they they were at, they were chosen, I think, because of their theatrical singing abilities, mm-hmm. which makes sense because you don't. That was the one thing that hurt, like Buffy's musical episode that they had, is that they wrote a musical based around actors who didn't necessarily know how to sing. They had two actors who could sing on their on. their cast. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to remember. Buffy had a musical. <laughs> It did. It was called Once More With Feeling, and it was actually written pretty well in the sense that there was a demon that caused you to sing out your emotions, and and that once you did, like he could basically uh, cause you, you know, uh, cause you to uh, die whenever you did that. So the whole thing was them singing out like stuff they wouldn't normally reveal to each other about, like you know, that they've been keeping uh, kind of secret. You, you watched know, from one another. All the Buffies. Uh, yeah. 
I did not know you were in the Buffy's TV show. It was a good show. Uh, I watched it and uh, all of Angel. Yeah. Those were good. And uh, original but, CW but, kids back when it was not CW, it was it was the WB, WB. or something like that. You guys are lame. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think uh, Angel or uh, Buffy went through three three of them because I want to say it started on UPN and then it went oh, to yeah, uh, then it I went thought, to WB and then uh, no, maybe it ended UPN there was before. second. I think it was WB first, then UPN, and then I don't know what other one it went to. Is UPN even around anymore? No, I uh, know it isn't. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, the problem that, that the Buffy had was that Sarah Michelle Gellar, she did okay with her scenes. I mean, they were flat a lot of times, but she did okay. Uh, James Marsters, who played Spike, he could actually sing. He was in a band, so his were amazing. Uh, the guy who plays Giles, he was actually a singer, so his was really good. Uh, they, they got some, uh, between, uh, you know, the... The, the, some of the other actors, they got some decent, uh, you know, a, a tunes out of them. But the one who couldn't sing was Allison Hannigan, who played Willow, and she kind of fucked off in the in that episode, kind of just singing like backup to everybody because she knew she couldn't sing. So, uh, but this movie so hired so, further so, singers. So, like the entire episode is, is singing, like <clears throat> all dialogue is done through singing. About all of it's done through singing. There's like the, maybe an interstitial scene or two, and then they get into it. And there's, I mean, and and it's the whole just the, the best part of the episode is that it's right after they brought Buffy back from the dead. That's when she sacrificed herself in season five to uh, keep that uh, god or whatever named Dawn or whatever from like you know taking over the earth. She sacrificed herself to to defeat her, and they brought her back because they couldn't like live without her basically. And she'd been having like this through that whole season up to that point. Like she'd just been kind of distant from everybody. She was kind of like having this relationship with Spike, but it was more because she was like, and she reveals an episode. She's numb. Like she's completely numb. And the best part of the episodes at the end of it is that she reveals to him in front of the demon that she was in heaven and they pulled her away from that. And now she's basically <clears throat> in hell. Like she's, they, they brought, she did what she was supposed to do. She sacrificed herself to save others. She was in heaven, and they selfishly brought her back, and now she's got to deal with the fact that she's in pain. She's, you know, doesn't feel the warmth of God anymore. How did you watch this show? Oh, my God. (laughs) I cannot watch that show. I can't believe you remember that. It's like uh, I, I've seen enough clips from where I'm watching Lucifer and all these other shows. I'm like, oh my god! Like I don't, I need like fucked up morbid stuff. Oh, Lucifer had a musical too. Uh, I know, and Raina watched that one. God damn! Oh, <laughs> I couldn't stand it. I do not think that the actor who played Lucifer can sing. Honestly, most actors can't. But the whole thing about being an actor is to pretend. Yeah, so pretend you're pretend a motherfucking well. singer, and god damn it, sing. Oh, play god. monkey, play. Uh, real quick. Uh, so it was. It was WB, and then it turned into UPN, which I did not know was United Paramount Network. I didn't. That's what it stood for. I didn't know it was stood for that either. Yeah, and then it went to CW, but Fox ended up buying like a chunk of whatever was on C, uh, not CW, but Param or UPN for our syndication. Yes, which is a good idea because that thing's probably still airing. Yeah. So, anyways. Of all those shows that came out around that time, it and Smallville were the best. They really oh, were. Oh man, I mean, Smallville is so good. Yeah, I never got to watch those. So. 
we have Sarah Swire playing Steph North, who's the brains of the operation, the aspiring reporter. Mm. Uh, and also the actress uh, in the movie was actually the choreographer for all the dance oh, wow. scenes as well. Okay. That's pretty good. Um, Especially when you're working with groups of people. Well, they said it was weird because, like, it's they said it's always a weird thing when your coworker is basically telling you, you know, how to do it. But they said that she was uh, she was one of those that she would give them suggestions and then let them do their own thing. So it wasn't like she was, you know, basically like you got to do it this way or anything like yeah. that. You know, <clears throat> uh, she allowed for a lot of improvisation when it came to like the dances and all okay. that. But she gave them like basic outlines for what to do. Uh, ben Wiggins plays Nick, uh, Anna's ex, the, the bully and the brawn of the operation. He's actually probably the one who's gone on to be most famous of this group. Because uh, if nothing else, he was on, he played a prominent role in You, the mm-hmm. Netflix TV series in season four. Uh, and uh, played a pretty good evil guy in that one. And then played uh, in Mary Queen of Scots. So he's been in a couple of things. I am so obsessed uh, with all the stories of Mary Queen of Scots. Any TV show about her, I'm watching it, and they're all shit, but I love them. Rain, <laughs> uh, that was my Cunn- favorite one. I've, I've heard that Nicholas Holt's pretty good in that one. Okay. Uh, Malcolm Cumming plays John, uh, who's the friend-zoned uh, 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 buddy to Ooh, Anna. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he's an abstract artist. It's revealed later on in the movie, although they don't really show much of that in the, mo- yeah. uh, in the movie, I don't think. <laughs> Uh, Christopher Laveau plays Chris Wise, who's a film enthusiast. Uh, Marley Sue plays uh, Lisa, who's a theater geek, and she's uh, in a relationship with Chris. We have Mark Benton playing Tony Shepard, who's Anna's dad. Um, <laughs> he's in a movie called The Devil Went Down to Islington or Islington or whatever, how you pronounce that. Islington. Uh, uh, and then Paul Kay uh, plays Arthur Savage, the vice principal and an asshole. He's the oh, stand-in. Yeah. He's the stand-in for every zombie movie where somebody who didn't have uh, any authority in the pre-apocalypse yeah. suddenly decides they're going to get theirs now that the world's ending. So he's a Karen. He's, with, a, he's a good villain. He's a Karen with power. Yes. That's what he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's in the recent one with uh, Simon Pegg called Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose, which sounds ridiculous for a title, but apparently it's like a popular like series in like Britain or something of that they're course making a movie off of. They have fucked up names for everything. Sorry, guys, <laughs> if you're listening, it's true. I mean, like, we'll be like, oh, I'm going to go get some fucking, you know, we call it fish and chips, and they'll be like, oh, we're going to get some tiddlywinks and poppers, you know? It's like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you just dropped this one on them. Let's go get some Chinese chimichangas. Yeah. What? Uh, and, and, some their, and some of their slang, like twig and berries for, like, dick and balls. I yes. mean, like, you know, it's... Yeah. We're a lot more blunt in the U.S. They say it's because we're more about, like, getting to the point than they are. I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. You have a show uh, called Nandor Fodor and the fucking talking mongoose. Ain't nobody getting to, yeah. Nobody's getting to the point with something like that. Yeah. Uh, nobody in America is going to watch anything like that. I'm that is true. Yeah. It. They probably love it out there. Enjoy your fucking t- beans on toast. Okay. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, the Puppet Asylum and The Offering are a couple of the other horror movies that I think he's been in. Uh, so synopsis, it's Christmas time in the small town of Little Haven, uh, Scotland, in the local high school or the Scotland equivalent of a high school, probably secondary school or whatever they call it, is having their yearly Christmas show. Anna Shepherd, our hero, uh, and Shepherd, the name is not lost on me. She's guiding the rest of them, you yeah. know, of the flock. 
is ready to be rid of her small town and wants to see the world. Unfortunately for Anna and her friends, no one will be leaving anytime soon, and Christmas is canceled. Boo. A super flu virus. A super flu virus with a very high mortality rate has mutated and is reanimating the bodies of those it kills. With zombies swarming Little Haven, the chances of our group of dreamers making it out alive seems impossible. Will Anna rise to become the hero her friends need? People are singing, sleigh bells are ringing, and Arthur Savage is a right prick. To survive, it takes killer moves and killer tunes. I'm going home. <laughs> that's tagline. That's not my... That's, <laughs> Uh, other taglines, oh, the weather outside is frightful. That's a good. A zombie Christmas musical, which is too literal to be a good it one. It is. It's a li- <laughs> but, you know, and it's it's wild that they came up with that as a tagline, considering they have a show out there called Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. <laughs> uh, and zombies are coming to town. Uh, I'd say boo to that one. Yeah, that boo. one is horrible. The first and the second were okay. Uh, quotes from the movie, Anna Shepard, you are such a child when she's talking to Nick and Nick's like a sexy child. And he's like, wait, no. And she's like, goodbye, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John, you smell like a shoe. And then as, uh, back to him, Christmas is fast becoming my least favorite C word. <laughs> and he's like, he, he's like, you shouldn't be saying that if you're dressed like a festive legends or if you were, and she's like, you're right. Dress like that. You look like a massive C word. <laughs> Uh, and then Chris Wise, oh no, oh no, and then John's like, what? And then Chris Wise, Justin Bieber is a zombie. Yeah. Uh, Anna, on Dasher, on Dancer, on the other ones, and then John's like, Firebolt? No, that's Harry Potter's broom. And then Anna's like, oh no, we can't hang out anymore. You're too sad. You've hit like peak sad. And then John's like, they were a very popular series of books. Aww. Uh, Nick, we go through here. We might make it to the school before sundown. Plus it'll be fun. And then Steph North says, yeah, certain death is so much fun. And she's right. It was a death trap. Um, uh, they're kids. You got to give them some kind of credence and being dumb when it comes to the zombie apocalypse. Oh yeah. Make it through. And they don't really have any weapons. I mean, I know they kind of came up with makeshift ones after a while, but (sighs) It's one of those things where in Britain, whenever they have zombie films, they they have to do make do the best they can. In America, we we have more guns than people, so That's you're going true. to have like a weapon at some point. Yeah, but like I mean, they, at one point she does cane a zombie to death, so you know. Yeah, the odds are definitely in your favor here. Hell yeah! <laughs> and they bring that up, and uh, I believe it's in World War Z. Like when we were talking about all the different countries, uh, not the movie, but the book at least. They talk about all the different countries and their advantages. Uh, the two primary ones that the U.S. has is, uh, you know, the amount of guns, but also the independent nature of the people. Like we're more likely to hold up and be able to survive, you know, as opposed to like yeah. some of the other places. Because so mean, funny. <laughs> Because uh, I think they they say in the book that the U.S. has a higher population of lamos, as they call them, like the last man on Earth, you know, survivors that have just like walled off an entire section of their block or town, and they're just waiting, you know, to and they're thriving and all that. Um, I could see that being a thing in America with all the militias and stuff we have. Uh, all right, visually, this movie is actually pretty fucking great. Um, yeah. Uh, Something that I didn't notice that they talk about in the special features is the movie starts out like really bright, poppy colors at the beginning. Yeah. And then as it gets darker toward the end and the tone gets darker, the lights come down and the the colors of the actual, like even the background, like Christmas lights become, they change. They're like a darker tone than they were previously. That's actually pretty smart. 
Yeah, it, it, it works with the film. Uh, the music kind of changes to be more somber too, so that fits. Uh, but I love the that it, it has a December feel to it, at least if you're, I yeah. mean, you know, because the gray skies, like just how dreary it looks outside. I mean, it really is offset, you know, offsets like the, the blood and stuff that the zombies are like, you know, covered in. I mean, the... I was really impressed, just like the visuals of the, when they're going through that cemetery at one part, and then you can see that background scene of like the bay or whatever it is. It, it's a beautiful place from the film. I mean, it looked yeah. cold as fuck too. <clears throat> so, Yeah, and they're uh, fucking barely wearing like regular, they're barely wearing an overcoat. Every one of the characters, I think this, I don't know if I put this in the trivia, but I, when I watched the special features on the disc about this, they talked about how none of them, uh, there was two actors in the movie that were from Scotland that were used to the cold, and that was Malcolm, the best friend, and then, you know, the girl who's the theater geek. Yeah. Uh, so they were fine, and he was even, he was actually running hot in the movie because that, uh, he had like on two or three layers plus that Christmas, Christmas sweater, sweater. yeah. That was making him burn up on the inside scenes. Uh, but all the rest of them were freezing to death because their costumes were really thin and they were not used to that, that cold. You would think that them being in like the UK, like that they would be a little bit more prepared for it. But uh, Scotland's apparently a whole nother level when it comes to cold. So. Well, I bet, but I bet you the people from Scotland are used to that. So they're used to running around looking like that, I guess. And I'm like, ah, uh, ah, uh, that look, I'm thinking about what she's wearing right now. I'm fucking freezing my ass off. <laughs> Uh, but it but it fits. I mean, the, the visually the movie, and it does not look like an independent movie or anything mm-hmm. to the sort. I mean, it looks. It doesn't like, look I mean, like a nine million dollar movie. It looks like at least a twenty million dollar movie. It it it's very well done. The zombies are very good uh, portrayed in this movie. I like how that the makeup was done on the on them. Um, that it's I was I was when I started up, I was surprised and 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 liked what I was seeing. Uh, the story, uh, pretty average zombie movie, really. It's like another one of those slice of life movies mm-hmm. where it's the apocalypse happens and now they got to deal with it. But, you know, with the extra little thing of, and this goes into the Christmas aspect of it, they, they realize that they, that they want to get with family, you know, yeah. it's that time of year, you know, family's a big thing. So, and then even Anna, who's estranged from her father being in the movie, mm-hmm. realizes the, you know, the importance of, you know, him and her life and how she needs to get back to him. So, yeah, I mean, there's definitely that. I think also the big thing is everybody has a story in this, even though Anna's the main character. That that helps out a lot. I mean, because in a lot of zombie movies, you only get the main protagonist mm-hmm. and what they go through. Uh, I would even argue that to a certain extent in Shaun of the Dead, which is, spoiler alert, my favorite zombie movie, probably, period. Uh, it ends up, I mean, it's really, I mean, it, it goes, it's Sean's movie. It's like, I mean, you get some of the ancillary stories of the other characters, but not like in this. I mean, yeah. the relationship between Chris and, you know, and, uh, and his girlfriend and then, you know, and then Malcolm like pining for the girl that he'll never have. And then they have that scene where she, without telling him, tells him, it's like, you're only ever going to be my friend, dude. Yeah. Stop, you know. I know. Which, which is, I mean, it <laughs> and is. And then he kills himself. It is <laughs> basically, yeah. He sacrificed himself. It is himself. a Christmas movie. He sacrificed himself for the one that he loved. Um, You know, I, I think what I like about the fact that everybody has their own storyline is that it's not just about the main character. And I guess what I mean by that is that, like, okay, everyone has their own fucking problems. And everyone... Okay, yeah, they have to work together to get to 
the solution to their problems. They all want to get to their families or whatever, which is allegedly at the school, or that's where the best protection is going to be. And like, that makes sense. But at the same time, it can't just be about the main character because it's like, why are your issues more important than ours? If we work together, we're going to all be able to solve this. But in the meantime, we just need to work through this, you know, to get through it as best they can. I, I, I like that. I like that they, you know, they don't have exactly the same goal, but they know they kind of have to stick together until they can reach their own goal. Yeah, I mean, especially with, like, Steph. Like, I mean, she she uh, throws in with them, but, like, I mean, really, like, there's no chance of her ever getting to her parents because oh, they're yeah. vacationing Mexico, so there's no chance of her getting back to them. And whoever her girlfriend is, we don't know where that's at. She's uh, she's far enough away that she doesn't even attempt it in the movie. She's just, you know, like, I'm going to go with you guys until some, I can figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, they even gave Nick, who, I mean, by all accounts, should have just been a throwaway character in this movie. They actually give him a bit of story in the in the later part of the movie whenever it talks about his they, – they slowly introduce it, like talking about his dad and how his, you know, his dad went to the – he lies and tells Anna his dad went to the, you know, the Army base and that he's not seen him. But then, like, toward the end of the movie, he reveals he's like, no, I had to fucking kill him, and yeah. he begged me to do it. And, and, and the scene that I didn't notice at first, but I've rewatched this a couple of times – for this, you know, after I watched it initially, it's so good, but it's like a small scene is that scene where Anna's like asking her dad, if she needs to kill him yeah. you know, after he's been bit. And then Nick comes up and says, no, don't. Yeah. You know, it, meaning it, I, it fucked me up and you don't need to go through that. You know, it'll change that, you. Yeah. That, that's a small line, but it means a whole lot in the context of the movie. I mean, if anything, he could have done it for her. He, he could have, yeah, um, but I think he was just. But I think also her seeing it would have also. Oh no, her, she so. would. Yeah, it would be like maybe you should step outside and I'll take care of this. You know. Yeah, but he was probably also afraid of her stepping away from him at that point because I mean they were surrounded. That's I mean, true. When they get outside, yeah. they you know they that's effectively <laughs> where they were at. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it does that thing uh, that it, it's it's got a lot of throwbacks to a lot of different zombie movies, in particular Shaun of the Dead, where it you know it has like the main character oblivious that the zombie apocalypse is even going on yeah. for like a good portion of the movie. Uh, That's a teenager but, for you, though. That's well, that would be probably me too, skedaddling around, not noticing. You know, I mean, fuck, is that is that a bum or is that a zombie? <laughs> Who's to say? I'm not going to let either one of them get close enough to me to find out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I could see that to a certain extent, and, and it makes sense. It's a it's a social commentary, and Sean, if nothing else, that we become zombies. You know, that, <laughs> yeah. that's the whole point in that movie. Uh, whereas in this one, uh, and I mentioned this before about trying to come up with like the theme of the movie. This one actually is creepy in the sense that it predated COVID because. I didn't realize, I didn't think about it until I saw it. I was like looking up the, the soundtrack on YouTube and that the, the song human voice, you know, or whatever that plays halfway through the movie where the bombs are dropping and they're, they're singing about how their, their technology is distanced themselves from everybody. And they just want to hear a human voice. There oh, wow. were so many people that were commenting on that video in 2020 because they were not allowed around, yeah. uh, you know, any loved ones and how they, that song resonated so heavy with them. And it, it's true. This movie actually predates COVID and that lockdown, but it, 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 but it actually hits a lot of the themes that came up during that time. That's fucking wild. Like, I mean, uh, it, 
I mean, it's a, for it to be a three years removed from it, and it actually, you know, hit those so hard. Like it's it's kind of crazy that it came out when it did. Yeah. Did you actually see it in the theaters? No. Uh, I didn't see it. Like I, uh-huh. I had no clue about it. Yeah, he heard about it from from me. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I'd read about it, but like I didn't really. I kept getting it confused. There's an Anna Kendrick movie, and that's where the Anna part comes in, oh, yeah. where she, her and like uh, Craig Davis or whatever his name is, the guy from The Office that plays Daryl, the you know the guy in the that does shipping. Uh, oh yeah, that's in Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah, like it's it's an apocalypse movie where she where he's the devil and she's you know like supposed to be his bride or something like that. And I thought it was that movie, and I was like, I've seen that. It's kind yeah. of shit, but like. Then when I found out about it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I think I heard this in passing, but I never really did pay any attention to it. Well, and it makes sense because even you get, oh, wait, no, you don't you don't get a lot of um, limited releases out in your area, huh? I don't know if they have the theater set up out there. They do. Uh, they got a Cinemark out there, and they have a Well, it's not a the Regal. Cinemark. It's wherever, because a, a lot, it might be regional. We're going to release it here, but like in a spot in his neck of the woods, I don't know if they... We get some of the movies in like Lexington and Louisville, but that's the only two places we get them at. And like, it, it's a thing where you have to make it an event to mm-hmm. go see it. Like, it's, yeah, it's, him, him and the good lady least, wife have to drive pretty far to get to it. No, I, it's like an hour and 30 minutes or two hours away just to watch it. So, oh, and they do it, they be doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we go up there quite a bit to shop because I mean, it's where the, the, you know, businesses are at but i mean it's one of those things where like the the local theater here is a good theater it's got really great seating but they cater to uh basically family so if it's a if if they if there's a family movie they run it in four different theaters just trying to maximize profits and it's like i'm just kidding and it's well it is bad because like the family movies i mean what have you got anymore you got disney and and even their newest one wish by all accounts is a shit movie so this theater is banking on shit like it's like Get some other alternatives, folks. I mean, come on now. You think I mean, Disney's fucking shitting themselves big time? Like every film is just getting worse and worse. Not yet. I, uh, I don't think they have enough blood. They're yet. shitting enough that they raise their prices significantly at their parks. No, they they uh, are sh- they are shitting themselves now. Like they wouldn't before the Marvels bombed as bad as yeah. it did, but they are now. Like Bob Iger is actually uh, having a fight to keep. Uh, another guy off of the board because that that guy's threatening to you know basically take over if he gets uh, access to the uh you know to the the chair position or whatever so um they're they're hurting pretty bad and they and they've actually went back and they're doing extensive uh reshoots and rewrites of like a couple films they've got coming out in in next year there's no way the movie's gonna be profitable because they've sunk too much money into them even prior to this yeah but now but now the reshoots are going to be even more unprofitable but they've got to do that because if they don't come out with better movies there ain't gonna be nobody coming to them you know uh, what how about we just use this standard whatever movie that you're going to release in china just release that version here because if you're releasing it over there, you've cut all the bullshit fucking woke stuff out of it. They they have to. They, they don't even. I feel they like don't they even used allow to black do that. actors to be on their like posters over there. Then, back like, in the day, well, the, from what I remember, back in the early two thousands, it used to be released out in Japan first. And not Japan, the, China. Okay, well, Japan. I know they got movies like six months prior to America even getting it, and that was their test audience. I, I know, but the, what, the version they're going to release in China is not going to have any woke shit. It'll have zero. Yeah. So whatever version that is, 
Just release that one here. Yeah, see, I, I think they try to see, and I'm like, why would you do that? Because culturally, it's such a huge difference. You can't be like, oh, well, they didn't like that, so we need to make the changes and fix it in America. You can't do that. Well, they want to shove that shit down our throats, but that shit's not even allowed in their fucking yeah. market. It's like, I think it's just... It's, it's just funny that the company would make the American version or whatever first world, like, Western countries over the top woke, and then the moment you go to another market, you're like, "This art's too good for this country. We got to cut this part out." It it speaks to the hypocrisy of the actual company too, because it, they're virtual signaling to the highest degree. They'll release it over here, uh, removing. You know, they've even got to the point where they don't even have like heterosexual couples in a lot of movies. Like they just don't. They don't want that promoted. Like oh, I mean, God. that's how woke they're getting with a lot of their shit. But they, but they, but whenever they go overseas, they extensively cut around, you know, any kind of like gay romance yeah, because they know they can't show them there. Oh my God. It's, it's funny because when, when it comes to Wish and when it comes to the Marvels, and I know we're on a tangent right now, but hey, we review films, it happens. But when it comes to Marvels and Wish, Disney had already projected the, uh, the opening weekend to be pretty low. Which is embarrassing because you're projecting, oh, we're going to have a low opening weekend, but, you know, we might get our profits back as people see it and realize how good it is. That's not at all what's happening. But they're not even reaching their low, like, expectations that they put out. Bummer. They're like, they they weren't even reaching those goals on their opening weekends, which is, it's sad, but it's kind of funny because it's like they're doing it to themselves. And they've even had to, like, I mean, Bob Iger, who's over Disney, uh, he's had to, like, walk back, like, statements left and right about the reasons these movies are doing terrible. He's blamed COVID for every major movie fail in 2023, and it's, you can't do that anymore. There's, I mean, no. like, Barbie and Oppenheimer doing so well, you can't blame COVID anymore. It's and there's not a thing. other it's, movies that are know. doing amazing. It's like, no, it's you. It's only your company, so don't blame COVID. It's y'all. He's even talking about we need to quit being woke. Like, he flat out said it. It's not that. Don't be... Take the word woke out and just make movies without an agenda with the story. And that better be a good fucking story. Uh, have you heard about the newest one that's going to be woke as fuck and actually super racist at the same time? It's a it's something of the, the magical Negroes or whatever. <gasps> you heard about that one? Yeah, I've seen that. What? Yeah, I think David Allen Greer's in it and a couple other people. It, yeah, he, he is. Uh it's it, it basically it's the it's making fun of the trope that used to be in uh in movies. It's the American Society of Magical Negroes is the name of the the movie. It's making fun of the trope that in a lot of older <laughs> movies there used to be like a white person who would have all their problems solved by a wise old you know black person. And um, the the newest and this new movie is like so fucking racist because like just even in the trailer they talk about how. Uh, uh, they, their example, David Al Greer's given to this guy who's very light skinned, by the way, you know, so it's a whole, it's weird in that sense. But he tells him, he's like, white people tend to feel bad. And when they feel bad, uh, a lot of problems happen. So we're there to keep the, keep them from lashing out. It's basically what he says. And, uh, and they, and they figure out how far gone the white person is by white tears, uh, you know, um, uh, kind of a machine or whatever. So, I mean, it's the most ridiculous. I'm like, how, 
I was like, this movie was made for white liberals. It, it has to be like who oh have like, so much guilt that they can't function in life. I'm gonna watch know? it, but I'm gonna watch it for the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna just get hella high and watch how ridiculous it is. Oh my god. Uh. Anyways, tangent aside, uh, I really like the 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 story in this is serviceable. The acting is pretty damn good in this movie. Yeah, considering that these were all like first time, mostly first time actors, or they did maybe little projects prior to this. I I thought that they were they were really great and all fairly young kids, and I think that everything was just so smooth. There wasn't anything that was oh this was cheap, you know. The only one who might be considered hamming it up is uh, the guy who plays Arthur Savage, but even he does, I mean, does a pretty good job of showing layers to the character. Yes. Like, there's a scene where him and, uh, like, Anna's dad are fighting, you know, whenever they got all the, the adults there together in the school cafeteria. <clears throat> yeah. And for a split second, he almost feels, you know, when when the Anna's father, Tony, like, offers to, like, help him. He, for a split second, you see in his face that he's all, he almost considers it, but then he's like, stop patron, patronizing me, you fucking plumber, yeah. you know, and do your fucking job or whatever. He's a janitor. And, um, you know, there's the janitor link. between. There the we go, two. yeah. <laughs> um, but whenever he says that, it's like, you know, it's it's like he almost has a human moment, but then he pushes away from it because he, he feels like it makes him weak somehow, you know, uh, and, and totally destroys him and everybody else because of it, which is... Kind of a theme in zombie movies. It's the humans that destroy themselves because they can't get along uh, together. They can't, you know, uh, it's it, by all accounts, if slow moving zombies should be something that human beings should be able to fight back against. But whenever they're too busy in fighting, the zombies take over. And that's what happens in this movie, basically. Tony reminded me of John Goodman. I could see that Honestly, to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, uh, he was actually a pretty good singer, too, in the movie. Oh, I'll yeah. give him credit for that. Uh, now, I will say this, and the music's fucking amazing in the movie. The songs that they picked are outright just good good songs. Like, I mean, I'll give them credit for that because some musicals, I mean, if it doesn't have a catchy beat, it's not going to work. But the music in this both had an emotion and it had a good feel to it. And something I told you, Urena, like off the off air, the they use some of the scenes like in, in ways that actually are, are even better just outside the mu the musical parts of themselves. Like when they're singing that song, uh, Hollywood ending at mm -hmm. the end of the movie and Chris and his girlfriend are singing together about how they, they hope that they'll always be together and all that stuff. When they're bitten at the end of the movie and they realize they're both going to die, they play a little bit of that song like the and like a slowed down like mm -hmm. you know very sad version of it over top of the two of them the, their part in particular yeah and it really fit the movie it really added to the, like I mean it, it said a lot without saying anything you know oh yeah that was a good uh, scene then, very emotional they had quite a few emotional scenes in this movie and and you don't even really get to them until like I mean I would say it's the scene when they're talking about when they play human voices after that's whenever all the emotion really comes into it. But like it goes from being a goofy, you know, happy movie to you know being, you know, they're they're finally realizing shit's hit the fan and yeah. we might not make it out of this. Shit's serious for sure. That's one of the best things about the movie how it, it has that hard flip. Like yeah, it, it's all it, very it really is. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it has a hard flip, and then I, she's on her. Or is it the guy or the girl that's on their way to school, and everything's falling apart, and they're oblivious to it? They're both. It's it was, both of them. Yeah, they're yeah. walking to yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. 
It'd be like Nona and Troy walking to school and fucking shit happening and, around them and in the neighborhood. singing as the yeah. fucking world's collapsing around them. Or on their phones fucking looking at shit, just not. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's kind of it, it's kind of a pull from Shaun of the Dead again. I mean, that movie does the same thing where it's all goofy and, and funny until uh, partway through it, whenever, especially when Sean realizes his mom was bit. And then the movie goes really dark after that, you know, because it's it has to if it's going to have any kind of, you know, legs to it, I mean, or any kind of, you know, motion. Yeah. Um, but the, but this movie does a good job of doing that because if it would have stayed lighthearted, it wouldn't have had nearly the impact toward the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was going to say also uh, this, I don't know if this is in the trivia, but whenever they were talking about the music, they literally would hand those guys that, that wrote the songs for this movie, just they would just the synopsis of what they want in the scene. They, like they, they mentioned, we want this kind of poppy, a little bit like Taylor Swift, uh, but it needs to say this about the characters. That's all they would tell the guys, and then they would have them write the music. We want pretty- two penguins <laughs> to rap about fish. <laughs> <laughs> can you do that? Can you can you really? put this in there? They made it happen, everyone. Oh, speaking of that, what did you think about the song where she's on stage and she's singing about uh, Santa climbing or in her lap yeah. or oh. whatever? <laughs> like it's so awkward watching that scene. <laughs> I think uh, the songs are funny. Like I don't like musicals, but some of the songs are fucking funny. Like obviously, I enjoyed the fish rap. Um, that song was hilarious too. I I love it primarily for their interaction between uh, Tony and Arthur because they're up there. And when Tony realizes what she's saying with her innuendo, he's like, ha, ah, that's pretty good. <laughs> and then Arthur and Arthur's face, he just starts like spit starts coming out of his mouth. He's like, fucking bitch. It's like, sh- I'm going to kill her. You know, like <laughs> don't ruin this. <laughs> they're just keeping uh, it interesting. The parents have to sit through that shit too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> It was funny because the old headmaster or, uh, or whatever the uh, of the school, the the principal, whatever you want to call him, uh, he was he was actually having fun with the whole thing. Oh like, yeah, it shows him not. It's he's like ah, good song, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, it's it's actually this movie is way more enjoyable than it should has any right to be, given the what it is like. Um, now, have you all seen like the alternative cut of this, like the extended ver- Well. I don't know what version you saw because there's three versions. There's the U.S. theatrical, there's the U.K. theatrical, and then there's the the extended cut. You know which one you watched? What's in the extended cut that's not in the actual movie? They change some stuff. They change like how the scenes are framed. They they add in a song that uh, between Arthur and um, <clears throat> uh, Tony, where they're in the in the when they're in the school cafeteria, t- and they're basically fighting, you know, I've amongst seen each that other. One. Yeah, is I, that in the extended cut? That's in the extended. Okay, cut. so we've that's, seen that's that. That's the one I have. Okay, the one I have is the extended cut. That's my least favorite cut of all of of the movie because, like the U, I feel like the UK theatrical is the one to watch because it's got enough, like it's got enough in it to pack it to make it, you know, the full experience. Because the US cuts out maybe even an extra song, but if it doesn't, it cuts out good portions of the songs and kind of ruins them. But the extended cut does one thing that I really don't like at the beginning of it in particular. It adds in that this uh, where Anna's like in the car with her dad and they're driving down the road and like they're listening to the radio. Like in the UK theatrical cut, 
on the radio, they mention, they start talking about how there's the super flu going on. Uh, and then right before they say that the bodies are getting reanimated, that's whenever Anna turns the radio off. Mm-hmm. In the the extended cut, they start talking about how local Santa Claus has become a fallen ill and that he's, you know, uh, been taken to the emergency room or something like that. And then that then that's when she turns it off. And I'm just like, I like the, the foreboding of that, you know, whole like super flu thing way better than that. talking. I mean, I know the Santa Claus guys in the movie, uh, but like, it's kind of a, I, there's no point having the, the information conveyed through that radio be about him. I'm having, I, I'm having a thing where I feel like I heard about the super flu and not Santa. It, it probably wasn't the original that we've seen in the theater. That's probably okay. Um, and then I, that song that they added in between Tony and, and Arthur, I don't really fit, think fits with the movie. And, that, and they had a good point about when they cut it for the UK theatrical. Uh, they said they wanted the movie to be more about the kids. And I feel like that's why it yeah. works better because without that song, because it, it does kind of make the movie more about Arthur, you know, and, and yeah. Tony at that point. I do agree with that. Um. And then uh, it's kind of ancillary stuff they add other than that. But that primary thing about setting up the zombie apocalypse in the early part of the movie, I think it kind of ruined it a little bit. Uh, Their original plan for the movie, by the way, was to have like a whole like song and dance number with the people of the town. Instead of that whole scene with Anna and her dad in the car, there was like you just went through the town and you saw the Santa Claus uh, being a drunken bastard, basically just walking through the town as he's like, as everybody's like happy and singing. And then it, you know, kind of cuts from there. But they tried to film that, and it was pouring the fucking rain, and it drowned them out, and they didn't have enough money to, you know, like, you know, set the scene back up again, so they just had to cut it. Um, it I, I think the movie works fine the way it is. I don't think that them having to cut that scene really hurt anything. Yeah. Because it, it didn't really <laughs> add anything to have the town represented anyways. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone gave a shit. Literally, our focus was what's going on with these kids and are they going to be able to achieve what they need to? Yeah. And that, and, and sometimes it's just like Noah was saying, like sometimes uh, when you're forced to cut things either due to, you know, budgetary restraints, the, the studio stepping in or whatever, it sometimes makes you creatively refocus and say, what is this story fucking about? Like we've, we've blown this thing out too far like, let's get it back to the core of what it's about. And I think them having to focus on the kids actually strengthen the story in the long run as yeah. opposed to, you know, focusing more on the other stuff in the movie. I love it. They got to get creative. We're under pressure. It's funny what the, some of the best stuff comes from pressure. It really is. I mean, because it really makes you think. It's like, I mean, what? Well, it's like I was listening to uh, the Steven uh, Spielberg talk about the movie Duel that he came out with, which was the made-for-TV movie about the guy who's getting chased by a psychotic trucker. And uh, he did that before he did Jaws, and it was before he became super famous. And they they basically told him, they said, you've got, it was universal, they said, you've got 15 days, I think, to film this movie. <laughs> and that's that's all we're giving you. That's that's it. And, and this is the budget, you know, fucking do it. And if you want a job in this, you know, industry, that's what we're giving you to, you know, and then you'll made your name and we'll, you know, whatever. And so it, he said it really forced him to be super creative. And it actually was a good thing because it taught him things about cinematography that he used on every other film after that and ways to stretch the budget that he would have never learned if he hadn't been forced to do that. Yeah. Um, 
like what he said was, is that he was like to pad out the movie. He had like the same scene filmed from multiple angles and he would use those uh, multiple angles to like, you know, like in between scenes to make it look like the, you know, like it's another scene entirely, but that he never actually even shot because he didn't have the time to shoot it. So, and he said that that actually helped him like, you know, make more of the budget and helped him trim down the budget quite a bit so that he could, you know, and he did that in future films. Wow. So it's, it's, I mean, and if a big time director like him can learn stuff from like budgetary constraints and, and that sort of thing, it, it would work for anybody. I think that that goes back to our whole discussion about Disney and they're just, they, they don't have, they need to rein in the, the, you know, the creators just a little bit and say, here's, here's your limits. Do what you can with this. Not even limits, but they, you, they, need, they need to collapse a lot of what they have down to just make it, make it, here's your, like you kind of said, here's your budget. It's really small. Make some magic happen. Yeah. And I mean, and it's just like Godzilla minus one, uh, just like in Godzilla minus one, here's your budget, you know, do the best you can. And then uh, stretch the fuck out of that thing. Do, I mean, and, and that really work it. And they, and I mean, they did on that movie. I mean, it, it's a great fucking movie. Um, <clears throat> trivia for this film. Uh, the film closes with a dedication to Ryan McHenry. McHenry, who sadly passed away in 2015, wrote and directed the short film Zombie Musical from 2011, from which this feature film was adapted. Uh, two things about this. Uh, they have that on the special features of the disc from uh, Second Sight, which was a great release. It's region free. But uh, it's it's a stand. I, I mean, I can see where they got the concept for, for this movie from that one, but it's night and day. It's literally about this. They, they had basically the scene where Anna's like out and she's oblivious to all the shit behind her that's happening. Yeah. Almost taken directly from, I mean, zombie musical. They, they based the whole movie around that one scene. Really? Okay. Uh, the rest of the movie is really dark. Uh, they, she gets to the school, uh, she meets this guy. He, uh, you know, he realizes there's zombies out. And then when she doesn't, uh, they both like make their way into the school. Uh, this uh, creepy janitor there, you know, that's where the janitor part comes in. Uh, uh, knocks them both out, uh, puts the guy down in the basement with a zombie that's, uh, you know, tied up to a chair and the zombie breaks loose and almost bites the guy while he's getting ready to rape basically the Anna character in the zombie musical, you know, version yeah uh she barely uh she she only gets saved by the fact that uh the principal who was previously killed in the school comes back to life or whatever and bites him right before he starts to do anything and that's when she's saved by the guy uh the guy you know that uh, he gets uh he gets taken out shortly thereafter because there's a he sees there's a uh, like a award, like, you know, type display. And he sees that there's somebody in the school who got awarded like the fastest uh, Olympic runner or something to that effect. Of course, that guy's a zombie now. And of course, that guy's right behind him. Oh, God. Runs, runs up on him, bites him. He's out. So, and then the movie basically ends with the Anna type character. Uh, she's using all these improvised weapons that the the creepy janitor guy had, you know, kind of fashion. And she uh, fights the zombies and gets her uh, way outside. And then she's completely surrounded. And it's and her kind of acknowledging that, you know, she's pretty much doomed. And then the movie ends. And that's how. And so it's only loosely based upon that. Yeah. The, you know. Goddamn. Uh, <clears throat> But the sad, the other thing I was going to say about this, that guy was good friends with the guy who actually, you know, produced this or whatever. Yeah. And, and whenever they, they got it most of the way to completion and, or we're, we're getting there. And 
and it looked that he was getting ready to die. And he, he sat, he, he, he basically took the guy who's producing the movie to the side. Uh, and Ryan McHenry told him, he's like, listen, he's like, don't push yourself. It's not going to mean anything to me. If you can't get this movie made, it's, you know, do whatever you got to do, but don't feel like you have to for me. You know, yeah. that was like his last little thing to his friend to basically Aww. say, you know, don't force yourself to do something you don't feel passionate about. And he ended up, you know, was like, you know, I really want to do this. I want to do this in your memory. I want to do it anyways. And yeah. that's kind of how, you know, how it happened. <clears throat> uh, one of the posts seen in the evac uh, selfie bit was from Ash Campbell, a mashup of Ash Williams, Bruce Campbell from the Evil Dead franchise. Uh, so a little bit of throwback there. Uh, during the scene when Lisa sings her song at the school's Christmas concert, the man seen playing keyboard is Tommy Riley, the guy who co-wrote the music for the film. Nice. Uh, this movie, like I said, has three versions. The U.S. cut, which is 93 minutes long. The U.K. international cut, which is 98 minutes long. And the festival cut, which is 108 minutes. Wow. Um, the the U.K. one is the the best of all of them. It's got just enough without being like, you know, kind of fucking around with the movie even. The movie was planned to have a full musical opening scene, like I said, with a drunk Santa stumbling through the town center while the people around him sung What a Time to Be Alive. This would have also featured several minor characters before they are infected. However, the scene was canceled halfway through due to poor weather conditions. As I said, it was just raining like buckets. And yeah. They couldn't do, you do know, anything about it. And, and now that I think about it, I know that there's different regions and people are going to have different different accents, but I would have never guessed any of those actors are from Scotland or that they were in <laughs> Scotland. Yeah, it well they uh, the the one character that stands <laughs> out is the is the best friend, you know, the friend zone guy. Yeah. He has en- him he has enough of his Scottish accent coming through at times okay. that you can kind of tell, but he's the only one that really I fits suppose that. I never noticed, but wow, okay. It's it's how they say like they're like when they when they say like pool, they say pool, you know, that <laughs> sort of thing. It's 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 in the little things like that that comes through. Uh, the cleaner in the bowling alley is called Mrs. Hensman, which is a mo- nod to Bill Hinesman, who played the graveyard zombie, the original zombie in Night of the Living Dead. So there you oh. go. Oh, okay. Uh, the shots of them walking through the shopping center town square were filmed at the abandoned Freeport shopping village just out of Livingston, Scotland. So it actually yeah. apparently looks like that. That's wow. Abandoned. <laughs> What's that? Abandoned, yeah, abandoned shopping. We village. have a lot of abandoned malls yeah. here in America. It just—it's so weird when I see like a building that's just abandoned. Yeah, I we—I find it just absurd, and I'm like, oh, they just just fucking really abandoned. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, kind of creepy too. There's a lot, and uh, I have a cousin. I don't think he does it as much anymore as I don't see it. But he used to be one of those guys who would like, you know, kind of break into abandoned places when and like take, you know, like pictures of them or whatever. And, yeah. And apparently in Ohio and Cincinnati in particular, there's a ton, you know, up yeah. there. That's where he was. There's at. there's a dude on YouTube that does a channel called Abandoned Central, and he does that, and it's wild. Like. Medical offices just flat out abandoned for years with a bunch of high, ex- high and expensive equipment. Still, it's like holy shit. That's actually where they filmed the show Scrubs. That was in an abandoned hospital out in California. That whole place what? has been abandoned. That's, That's fucking wild. It's just somebody owns that property, and if it's abandoned, like, what do you do? Like, you just owe on it. You don't make any revenue. 
I don't know what they do. I don't know if, you know, at a certain point, if they just let it go and then uh, the bank has to sit. That's what I'm assuming. The bank is left with the loan and then they're sitting there and they're trying their best to sell it to whoever will take it for whatever reason. But then, you know, they, it just sits there. There's this mall on the way from Nevada to California. So it's where we drive, you know, when we when we leave to come back to California. And I never noticed it, but it probably looks abandoned. It's not abandoned, but it's a ginormous shopping mall. And I think the only stores that are open are like a Wetzel's Pretzels, a Bath and Body Works, um, and two or three high-end stores. Are you talking about that mall we went into? I don't think we've been into it from what I've seen on the video. You remember the mall we went into? It was just nothing. I think that was your other wife because remember I can't like... I can't remember that. I, I have lost all memory of that. It was literally last year. What the hell are you talking about? I never. You told me about it, and I didn't know what you were talking about. We were about. coming back from Nevada <laughs> into California on the route that takes yes, you. Yes, I know in, what you're and, talking about, yeah. Okay. I we, don't remember going, We stopped. No, I'm not joking. I don't remember going at all. Kids were there, too. Um. So this mall, when you walk oh in, God. there's these two, like, I don't know, like 30-foot-tall statues of, uh, like, a swimmer. He's like it's like coming out of the doorway, but it's in going into the mall. It's really weird. So we went to that place. Okay, I don't remember. We we had we had to use the bathroom, so we got out the stretch because that don't road from it. whatever. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm telling you, I just we don't were remember. shocked how dead it was inside. There was like nothing. Okay, so then we've been. There to was that a mall. Mexican dude up with the cart in like the center. I'm glad you remember this, but I still don't remember it. Oh my god, it is not even a blip in my memory. It was literally like a year ago. What the fuck? I was going to say the abandoned places around me, I mean, they, they go because of like the just the vegetation in the area. Uh-huh. They go from post-apocalyptic looking to post-post-apocalyptic. Oh, and, you know, those movies where like everything's overgrown, like the yeah. earth is retaking them. It, it, it literally in about a year's time, like they're between like the fast growing like shrubs and the trees, they're the, like the building's covered up and you're like, okay, you know. You know what <laughs> I looks- mean, there's... The, Super creepy. There's not even a chance yeah. you know, of it looking in between. The Lisa Frank building used to be this thriving, you know, where they all had all their fucking ideas and their creations and everything. And there's still like Lisa Frank statues around this building, but it's all overgrown. And you have like this Lisa Frank bear with one of its eyes missing and weeds growing through it. And this like glass fucking unicorn that also has this overgrown shrubbery. But it's not even abandoned. I guess there's people that still work there. Two or three people still work at that building. Doing what? They still make Lisa Frank stuff, but it's not like it used to be. Lisa Frank was back in the day, back in the 90s, it was like this, these colorful notepads and pencils. They were super bright colors with, you know, cute animals on them. Trapper keepers. They had Lisa Frank trapper keepers and stuff. Now they do like, I know sometimes they collaborate on makeup creations, things like that. I have a Lisa Frank like makeup brush. And everything, but yeah, it, it's it looks abandoned. But could you imagine going to work in a building like that? That'd be cool. Because they don't that give would a be shit. Cool. Yeah, if they don't give a shit about the outside, they ain't gonna give a shit about what's going on the inside. That's true. I just and one last tangent about this. I remember this story I read one time about this. Uh, 
uh, like it might have been Scandinavia, it's like some country over there in that region. And uh, they found this uh, where this like basically from Viking times guy had like died inside of like this cave. And there was a tree growing out of his corpse because apparently whatever he had ate, once he had like, you know, rotted enough for the light to be able to expose to the like seed inside of him, actually grew a whole fucking tree out of the, out of the cave from his body. Ew. What the fuck? <laughs> I was just like that. That's how you get haunted trees, folks. Right there. 100%. Is, I mean, <laughs> did you ever watch that? Uh, Adult Swim um, Yule Log? Oh, I was uh, telling him about it. Oh, oh god, I keep forgetting about what? that because it gets super crazy, doesn't it? Like, yeah. Like so, it starts off as like a Yule log, uh, like a fucking uh, movie where you just put it on and it looks like a Yule log. Yeah, crackling burning. fireplace or whatever, just to and Christmas music is playing. To yeah. Get so, like you. the first like ten minutes, you're just like, yeah, okay, it's a Yule log. What the fuck? Then all of a sudden, the movie kind of starts taking off. It's hella good. It has um, it has possessed wood, like you just said. It also has aliens, and then it has um, uh, Jason, like a Jason character with his mama. Oh, yeah. So it has like the trifecta. I would say uh, Texas Chainsaw, maybe. I'm thinking, well, it's a combination of a couple things. Yeah. You would like Yule Log. I'm looking at pictures of this shopping mall in Scotland, and yeah, fucking creepy. It's like a, a shopping villa. It's more like an outdoor mall than anything. Uh, speaking of that, the school that Anna and her colleagues attend that was filmed, uh, that the after that was in the movie was actually demolished in 2019. Oh, wow. Uh, was that also so, abandoned or I don't know. Uh, it would have had probably if it was demolished, it was either on the decline and they, you know, and they were filming, you know, as it was like being closed down is what I'm imagining. You okay. Know, given so the, do we know with these abandoned places that people film at, do they have to pay to film there? I don't think they should have to. If you're, if the place is fucking wrecked and no one's maintaining it, it's like, I feel like, I feel like they do, but then they usually, but the reason they choose them is because they usually get a pretty good, you know, rate for filming. A there. good rate. And it looks good. Obviously. I mean, and uh, it's cause we talked about with my bloody Valentine, the original film, they picked that like abandoned, like mine or whatever. And then the town thinking that they were doing the best thing for the movie, went in and cleaned the place. Oh up, yeah. They're like, they no. Came in and they's like, they were like, we wanted it to fucking look abandoned. That was the whole point of it. You we're know? suing your ass for cleaning up this property. Yeah, <laughs> like we're just going to film somewhere else. Fuck this. <laughs> um, yeah, because I would think that, okay, so abandoned, but like the if there's somebody there still paying for the property, which is their fucking fault, honestly. But yeah, I don't want you on my property. If you get hurt on my property, then I'm liable. So not only do does there need to be some kind of legalities, but there has to be some kind of insurance. You need to have your own fucking insurance if anything happens. Or they I'm, probably have to sign waivers. Like, yeah. Ass or if you get yeah, you get hurt on my property, we're not liable, and I'm going to charge you this kind of rate per day, which is probably insanely good. Oh, it probably is. Uh, director John McPhail said that Anne and the Apocalypse was influenced by the film's West Side Story, the original. Okay. Um, not that woke mess where they speak all Spanish and don't even give subtitles. Speaking of Steven Spielberg, what kind of thought was that? You make a West Side Story movie with with all like Spanish speakers, including Rachel Zegler, you know, the the hated one. And you don't even put fucking subtitles for like the non, you know, Spanish speaking people you to even should, watch the fucking thing. Being in America, you shouldn't know how to speak Spanish. 
<laughs> is that that one guy, uh, something Miranda Lim or one? Uh, yeah, Emmanuel. Yeah, yeah. That the one you're talking about that did uh, Hamilton or whatever. Yeah. That, didn't he like do the music for it? Yeah. The ones that, that the guy's kids were like, hot too. garbage. They hated Hamilton. It was so funny. Hamilton, horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. I tried to choke it, that down. I was like, fuck this. Well, even the message behind it, you're they're they're venerating like probably the one of the biggest like uh, monarchists in the U.S. history that tried to get us to go back to a monarchy right after we threw you know threw off the English and and that's who they're venerating in the movie. So yeah. go figure. Uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show was the you know influence, which yeah. I don't think of that as a musical, but it really is. It is. I mean, they they sing and dance in it. I've not seen it, but it is a musical. Right, so I don't know why we need to sit down and watch it next Halloween. I swear one of these days I'm just going to get strapped to a chair and he's just going to like toothpick my eyes open no, and make me watch. We're going to go full on fucking clockwork orange. Yeah, yeah. You're gonna, your eyes are going to be like pride open. That's what I said. Like he's going to toothpick my eyes open. Uh, you've never seen clockwork orange, huh? Yes, I have. I have watched oh. that with you. Uh, the Breakfast Club, which I don't think of as, but uh, they're probably talking about as far as the influence of the kids. Yeah, like, getting along I together. can see that. I definitely can see that, especially in the like lunchroom when they're kind of, you know, congregated in there. And of course, Buffy the Vampire Slayer musical episode once more a feeling. So I have not uh, seen that one. And I mean, I don't it's. Like- I, it's a, I, to me, I really like that episode of the show. But anyways, McPhail also said the film includes nods to zombie films, uh, Night of the Living Dead, the original. Obviously. Uh, Dawn, Dawn of the Dead, the original. Evil Dead. Uh, one that I've never heard of, The Happiness of Catacurus. I don't know what that even is. We'll have to probably research that for this season. Okay. And then, of course, Shaun of the Dead, which it has a lot of ties back to, in my opinion. But uh, the crop tops and short shorts scene of the film were inspired by the costume design and sleepaway camp from 1983. Okay. <laughs> can't get away from that dick scene. No, it's always going on. It's classic. Uh, the social media evac selfie scene uh, features the film's uh, art director, Martin Kelly, posing in front of a caged zombie. Uh-uh. Uh, the director's cut of in the apocalypse features an all new soundtrack or song to its soundtrack. It's the longest version out uh, of the three by nine minutes. And it's the mostly unheard song uh, of Arthur Savage. And then uh, who wants nothing more, but the worst for his students uh, in the song, the characters, uh, him and Tony come to the uh, conclusion or realization that he is far more evil than he'd ever previously believed. Uh, these events happen well before there's any major reveal about Savage or even the final face off. Uh, the addition of this particular song brings a much darker tone of the movie, which may have resulted in the decision to leave it out. Um, I think it's that, but also like they said on the commentary, it just doesn't focus on the kids as much. Yeah. You put that in there. Uh, American actor Tyler Collins, who starred in uh, director John McFell's previous film, Where Do We Go From Here, has a brief uncredited non-speaking role as a zombie during the scene when the undead attacked the bowling alley, uh, which is a pretty good scene in the movie. The effects, whenever that one zombie has the two bowling balls, like crush its head, it's pretty yeah. good. Uh, other than Which Side Are You On, the song between Tony and Savage, which was reinserted in the extended cut, there was another song that failed to make any of the three cuts uh, titled Some Things Will Never Change. This song is primarily sung by Tony. It's on the special features, too, uh, with Anna occasionally joining in. It is available in the special features of the second site, two-disc Blu-ray set. 
it doesn't fit the movie at all. And then they, they mentioned why they cut it out. Cause it kind of puts the movie to a grinding halt. It's like mainly him pining about the fact that he's lost his little girl and what happened to her. She's, you know, she's grown up now and all that. It doesn't really fit the movie. So it's kind of a good thing. They cut that one. Yeah. That would have been, that's one of those things that would have made this movie unbearable for me. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, it, it really does. It's not the, it doesn't even have a good beat to it. It's really sappy, you know, uh, this was shot over the course of 28 days, which is funny because, I mean, 28, you know, 28 days, days later. later. <laughs> which was filmed in, what, 2002? Uh, yeah, yeah. God, I can't um, believe it's that old. 28 yeah, days uh, later is over 20 years old. It is old enough uh, to drink now. Actually, they're talking about making a sequel called 28 Years Later, and when it comes out, it will have been 28 years or thereabout or close. I'm I'm so down for that. I, I liked 28 Days Later. I liked 28 Weeks Later. So, And for me to like a zombie film, that says a lot. 28 Whoa. Days Later is fucking amazing for yeah. the rage zombies in it. I mm-hmm. mean, they're really good. Yeah. This movie, because uh, we're going back to their actual rating system for some of these, if I was giving one to Stalled, I don't know. I mean, it's enjoyable. I'd probably give it like a two, two and a half out of five. I mean, it's not like a hate movie. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, it's enjoyable enough. I would give this a four out of five. Four easily. out of five rotting corpses. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it, it's 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 a good one. Yeah. Um. I'm, yeah, because uh, it's not a five for me it's a musical you know um it wasn't the worst musical i've seen and i will definitely watch it with the kids so i'm de- i'm gonna have to go with you on that a four out of five what's noah think about it five out of five he loves it he loves christmas he <laughs> loves musicals he loves scary movies it's like perfection for him my big thing is i love that i got in at the ground level before anybody really got a chance to see this thing listen that makes a huge difference because i did that with Shaun of the dead that movie released uh, no fanfare i heard about it i went and watched it i, w- I made a special trip to lexton like we talked about yeah. earlier with my wife and we watched that movie and i was like this fucking movie is amazing and nobody knows about it but me you're like ah uh did you gatekeep or did you share no i always told people i was like you need to watch this fucking movie like right now drop what you're doing and watch it and then you know um and it it made me even like so happy uh with the the combination of people in it that went back and watched the original tv show spaced uh, which well, you know kind of brought all those actors to, and the director you know Edgar Wright together, and they actually have a zombie episode on that first uh, on that that show. Uh, oh wow! Because because the character that Simon Pegg plays in the show has been playing too much Time Splitters, uh, which was a zombie <laughs> game for yeah. like the PlayStation, and he's uh, he has nightmares where he's being chased by zombies in the episode. So. <laughs> And that's what caused them to make the movie, actually. They they said, let's make a zombie movie, and they did. And it was good. Uh, we have discussed in the past um, watching uh, zombie films is going to give me a lot of nightmares. Um, and it does. I mean, it, it's it's going to happen. I can, I can promise you with these two films, no nightmares. So, Raina did not have a nightmare <laughs> watching I don't these. know. Listen, I don't know if you're going to, I mean, we've got a lot, I mean, for the palate cleansers, we've got a lot of zombie comedies coming up this season. We do, yes. I'm grateful um, for that. The The one that's probably, I mean, it's a zombie comedy, uh, and I get the comedy in it now, 
But the one that fucked me up the most as a kid and to this day is the movie that scared me the most and I had the worst nightmares about is Return of the Living Dead. Yeah. And I, I still have issues watching that movie. Like, uh, in particular, the scene where they go downstairs and the tar man zombie is, is yes, there. I the mean, tar man is scary. More brains. Um, and you know brains. what's good about, okay, so this is already a spoiler alert because we are going to review these films, but the spoiler alert is that the music in Return of the Living Dead it really amps it up. It's a hell of a good soundtrack. Yeah. It's, it's got probably one of the best soundtracks of like any of these movies, it to be honest. It amps up my anxiety and that's all that I need if I can make a movie damn near unbearable. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's that one. And then probably my favorite or well, definitely my favorite Romero movie and, uh, probably my second favorite zombie movie period, which is day of the dead, the Romero version like that. I mean, they're both of them are, is that they've the got original? a lot of horror scenes in it. It's not, what's that? It's not day of the dead. The Romero one is not the original. It is the original, okay. but I'm uh, saying like they've made they they have taken that and fucking butchered that. Like in recent years, they've got somebody got the rights to it. They made fucking knockoff versions of it, made a TV uh, show out of it, and they are awful. Like, yeah, um, that's not World War. That's not a what's the what the hell is the TV show I'm thinking of? The one that came on Sci-Fi, the zombie. Oh, uh, uh, Destination Z or something or something like Z Nation. That. Z Nation. Z Nation. That's oh, what you're talking about. that, that is, is yeah. goofy. Fucking, I watched all of it, but God he damn. He did, and you know what? When the zombie baby popped up, I was like, I'm out. Like, yeah. this is goofy as fuck. I mean, it the zombie bad. baby was done well in the Dawn of the Dead remake, which we yeah. will cover as well. But that whenever I saw, I was like, "Fuck this show! I can't! I can't anymore." Yeah. It would make uh, sense that uh, a woman dying on the inside that her baby would not be viable. So if it's not viable and it's infected with the disease, that it would be a zombie. Um, well, the guy was immune. The dude. I don't. Immune. I didn't watch the show, so I don't know that part. Uh, I'm just talking about why. Is, I'm just saying in general, uh, a general statement of why a zombie baby could work. But in terms of being an active, like in in Dawn of the De- is it Dawn of the Dead the remake with yeah. the zombie ma- baby? Yes. Yeah, the dead. Yeah, oh, no, it's, it's I think it's Dawn. Right. Um, the baby, it, it just it's just a zombie. It's not like it's not gonna attack anyone. It's not moving. It just wakes up and it's a zombie, and they like they shoot it. So that that makes sense, you know. But if it's like crawling the- around and running and doing all that shit, that that's not gonna make sense. The funny thing is, is that Netflix has the the offshoot to Z Nation called Black Summer, and that show's fucking good. I yes. heard Black Summer was good. You watched that one too? It is hella good, dude. Yeah. Is, I, wait, is that this, the one I watched with you? You watched the first season a, a little bit. Oh, of, okay. The that second was really season, good. they're like in the snow. It's badass. I remember Z Nation being bad, so I do remember seeing some of that. Oh, yeah, I did watch the second season with you. I did watch some of it, I should say, because they made it to some big house, but they couldn't get to it, so they were up in the trees and shit. Trying getting, to, well, they were shooting it when they were trying to get to the house. Yeah. So I think that's where I ended on that one. But, um, yeah, I mean, I would say even with how horrible Z Nation was, definitely some jump scares that got me. But, again, it doesn't it doesn't count for anything. <laughs> yeah, but Black Summer is hell. I hope they're doing a season three. That show is awesome. Yeah, it it's it takes the, the good things about Z Nation and, and actually goes the horror out with them and makes it pretty good. Yeah. Um, I was surprised by it. I didn't expect to like it at all. And then it was recommended to me and I watched it and I was like, this is pretty fucking good. Oh yeah. It's nonstop. The pace is hella good on it. 
Um, but yeah, we've, we've got a ton of these. I don't know how, if Uranus is going to make it to the end, she'll probably die and come back as a zombie before it's over with and finish out the show talking about brains. I don't know, but, um, (laughs) but I do have some zombie comedies in there to hopefully keep you a a little bit, you know, from from passing away. Well, I'm pretty, I have a feeling that as time goes on, because I am so slashered out now. So I think I'm numb to slasher films which is fine. Um, just make it enjoyable for me. That's all I ask at this point because we've seen every kind of slash there can be. I, I don't think there's anything new you can come up with. We have yet to see. But I think with zombie films, there are lots of different types of zombie films. They all fucking scare me. It doesn't matter if it's a comedy or not. But I think over time, I'm either going to become numb or I'm just going to be like, okay, the nightmares aren't going to end. You with zombie movies, it, it well, it could go either way on that, but I mean, even when you become numb to the violence, you've got, I mean, if it's a good one, like I said, the the drama and mm-hmm. the, the what overall you know, basic meaning of the story that they're trying to convey, it's the best ones have that, and that yeah. usually gets you through. And it's definitely not the zombies that you're worried about in some of those films. Uh, yeah, most of them, it's not the zombies. Yeah. I mean, when it comes right down to it, I mean, that's one of the reasons why Day of the Dead's my favorite because, <laughs> like, the survivors that are left, I mean, you know, Romero was fucking cynical as hell by that time that movie came out. He didn't, yeah. like, I mean, and, and we'll get to it, but I mean, that's part of what that movie's about. But, um, anything we want to say about this before we wrap this one up next time we're talking about voodoo zombies? About Anna, Anna and the Apocalypse? Yeah. Oh. You know, it was a a good, surprising movie. Like, it was also one of those movies I didn't want to go see. I don't like Christmas. I didn't know it was a musical. And I think Noah did that intentionally. No, I didn't. I caught wind that the movie had limited release. I wanted to see it. He wanted to see it, but he didn't tell me it was a musical because he knew I would have been out immediately. Uh, But it was a Christmas zombie film, and I was like, okay. Kids liked it. Yeah, the kids loved it, so that's fine. And I was was genuinely surprised by it. Like, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it. And I was like, oh, fuck a musical. You know, so. <laughs> well, I, did, I didn't know anything. I mean, I'd heard about it but when you mentioned, I was like, okay, I'll give it a chance. And I was like, okay, I'm surprisingly, I'm digging this quite a bit. Like, this is a pretty fucking good movie. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, like, I, I, I like zombie movies for the most part. It's probably my favorite genre, to be really honest with you. So, I mean, it's uh, well, not for scares, just for enjoyability. No, yeah. if, if we can be honest about the movie, the movie without the Christmas theme doesn't hold up. Hundred percent. It's a Christmas movie, so when you when you when you put the Christmas element into it, it makes it a good holiday movie. Is what it ends up being. Well, it's like some of the slashers, like I mean, especially the ones set at Halloween time. The 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 holiday adds to the movie, yeah, more so than just the movie itself. Correct. And you have to think about it this way too. Sometimes because. We talk about me needing palate re- re- cleansers in terms of, okay, we need to refresh because this is too much horror and it's fucking getting to me. Now we need a horror comedy. Well, sometimes during Christmas, you need to get away from all the feel-good films and you need to have a horror film. And I think a horror comedy fits in amazing in the holiday season. I, it's it's oh, really not, good. It I've doesn't got... even have to be a comedy. It could just be any horror-themed film around that season, you know? I've... I've been collecting horror films for Christmas just to have something to play off of. I mean, because yeah. like you said, it. You, I've got my standards. I mean, they're the same ones that everybody watches. You know, Christmas Vacation, uh, Christmas Story. You know, um, you know, Elf, whatever. Yeah. But especially when it gets to Elf, 
that movie's so saccharine and you know, like just you know, <laughs> bubbly that I have to have something to bring me down from that because I'm like diabetes. It's 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 got to me at that point. Yeah, so I think I think Anna and the Apocalypse is is great for that. It's a great holiday film with Christmas cheery music, really, <laughs> and survival. All right, folks. Uh, with that, peace be with you and with your spirit. What was I thinking? This is Disney Disney. I'm way off script and losing the plot. Things don't work out that way. I'm not McConaughey turning the charm on calling the shots. If this was a movie, maybe she would be willing to share my world. I'm starting to realize sometimes the nice guys don't always get the Oh,